today on Doomed! Welcome to the Scam Economy with your host, Matt Bender! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, hold on, I'm having some technical difficulties. There we go. Okay, my 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 microphone was messed up, but it should be fixed now. Uh, threads, Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Post, T2 Social. I'm 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 running out of of time to be posting on all this stuff. I feel like I'm missing some of them too. There's others too, right? There's like doesn't like Occupy Democrats have like treble, and then there's also like another one by some like resistance guy called uh, Spoutable. Uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting even more. Everyone wants to have their very own Twitter, I guess. And it's going to be uh, a, a, a ridiculous time posting on all this stuff. And I, I, th- I you know, I, I, I'm doing a stream tonight um, because, well, because it's Wednesday night, July 5th. And Meta has just launched their version of their Twitter competitor, Threads. And, you know, I usually do a show, I do shows Wednesdays nights sometimes. And, uh, by the way, this is a doomed and scam economy crossover live stream, by the way, because this episode's going to really touch upon things that are relevant to both shows. And so, Threads launches, I I heard it was supposed to come out in mid-July, but here it is. July 5th, it's out. And it's pretty obvious that the reason it's out right now, at least from my perspective here, is that uh, (laughs) Meta saw an opportunity here with Elon Musk's ridiculous decisions over the past couple of days over on Twitter. And I think think that's where we should start, right? Um, That's where we should start. And and there's a whole bunch of things I want to touch upon. But let's start there because, listen, we all know that when Elon Musk took over the company, took over Twitter in October of last year, uh, things have been a little bit uh, uh, different over there at Twitter. Um, things like the degradation of various features of the plat- on the platform, um, policy changes that allow um, Twitter to be a less safe space, I guess you can say, for marginalized groups. Uh, listen, I'm always, I've always been a big fan of the absolute uh, shit-posting and dunking on people on Twitter. And I don't even mind it when it happens to me. In fact, me being the masochist I am, I, I get a, a disturbing pleasure out of getting dunked on on Twitter by all the right people that you want to get dunked on. But, you know, when when you see the platform's owner saying what he says about trans people, and then you get him declaring, Musk declaring that 
on Twitter, the term is cisgender is a slur. I mean, things get ridiculous. I mean, there, there's no other way to describe that. I mean, come on. But I will say, like, e- even everything that's happened there so far, nothing really, yeah, sure, the degradation of various things and, and, and Twitter going down at times, sure, sure, sure. But those are all things that maybe lasted a day or so. And yeah, certain features not always working. I think the vast majority of users, not the power users, obviously, but the vast majority of users could look over something like that. I just can't use that feature for now, whatever. But I really do think that this past week at Twitter has been the first real time that the mainstream Twitter audience, the non-power user Twitter obsessed, I'm throwing myself in there, obviously. I've got almost like 150,000 followers on there. I'm I'm a friggin' freak over on Twitter. Friggin' loser on there, spending all my time on there. But for the vast majority of users, I think this past week is the first time where Elon Musk's decisions has affected the whole swath of them. It's not just like, oh, this group is, is being uh, a shit on on Twitter. Oh, uh, uh, you know, this uh, specific uh, sub- subsection of Twitter users don't like this move. But when on Friday, he basically decided to block all users, all visitors, I should say, all visitors to Twitter.com who are not logged in from viewing anything. I think that's the first time he really, uh, a decision from him really made everybody, even the mainstream Twitter audience doesn't have an account, doesn't, they're not... In the bubble like we are, if you're in the same Twitter bubble as me, following the everyday uh, uh, droll and shit that happens there. This past Friday was the first time it affected the people who, like, your parents who you send the link, the Twitter, a tweet to. Oh, check this out, Ma. Uh, it's the first time everybody who has ever gone to Twitter was like, what the hell is going on here? I can't access this shit while I'm logged out. Uh, the tweet embeds aren't showing up in iMessage or on Slack or whatever other messaging app I use. Um, the embeds weren't always working because if you're not logged in, you might not see the embed. So on Friday, if you weren't logged into a Twitter account, you couldn't see anything. Twitter would automatically forward you to, um, to a login page. And uh, another thing I should mention too, and this is a big deal, um, Actually, I should say this first. So when I was reporting this on Friday, I found a little, 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 little nugget of information that I hadn't seen anyone else report. And that was that I found this Twitter blog post, like an official Twitter blog post from 2015. And in it was the first and only time as far as I could find where Twitter gave a stat on how many users... Well, I should say visitors when I'm talking about people who aren't logged in, but let me say that. How many visitors who weren't logged into Twitter would visit the website on a monthly basis? And that is a really big number. I was actually a little bit surprised. And this is a 2015 number, too. This is a stat 
from geez five to eight years ago now. So you you better believe no matter what Musk has done to the, the, the site, you better believe that it's grown from this number eight years on. According to this Twitter blog post, 500 million people visited Twitter on a monthly basis who were not logged into the platform. That's, that's, that's huge. That's, just, that's, an enormous, that's half a billion people visiting. And it makes total sense. Like if the, the platform has around 250 million users, then no doubt about it, double that amount is going to the site because they see tweets embedded on swath of different pages, you know, whether it be a news article, uh, a, a website with a how-to or whatever, you know, just I'm going through the running through the gamut of different types of websites. Um, and then, of course, you get people who share things to people who aren't hardcore Twitter users. And remember, out of all these big tech platforms, Twitter isn't really that big. It's smaller than TikTok, even. It's smaller than YouTube, obviously smaller than Facebook, obviously smaller than Instagram. Um, smaller. I, th I think I think the only other platform that I can think of on that sort of level um, that it's bigger than might be might be Pinterest. And, and that's like really niche too. So it makes total sense. And, and basically what Musk did with this login requirement on Friday was stop those 500 million plus people from consuming Twitter content. And you would think, oh, maybe they will just create an account. Well, I'm sure some people did. But I can assure you the vast majority of people are just going to not go. And I actually saw a few people share their conversations with older relatives, parents, whatever. Like, oh, this tweet, it's not opening for me. It says I got to log in. Yeah, they just made that change. Uh, it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see it somewhere else. Like people who aren't sick in the head with this online brain that I'm sure you and I, my <laughs> listeners and viewers, have – but that's the vast majority of the people, the vast majority who don't have this sickness that we have are just like, oh, I can't just really easily click this link and see the content. Eh, it's all right. I'll just I'll wait to see it somewhere else. Like that's it makes sense, though. Right. Think about how like I mean, myself, I'm pretty lazy. I'm I'm the ultimate procrastinator. Yeah, it's not opening. And I got I, oh, I got to make an account. Fill out information now. Just I'll pass. I'll pass. So that's just an incredible move. And and an additional thing that I, I was going to mention, but I wanted to mention that stat first. That additional thing I wanted to mention, and, and I thought of this right away, was if you're blocking the web version from being accessible, then you're likely blocking the search engine web crawlers too. And... Of course you are, though, because Elon Musk's whole reason for instituting this change on Friday was because he was complaining that Twitter was receiving an insane amount of usage and it was crippling the platform from uh, he, he blamed it on web scrapers uh, with an additional nod to like AI uh, language model data scrapers that are training those language models. Um, and he also blamed manipulators. I'm guessing, I don't know, spam bots, I guess. People who are pulling Twitter's data 
uh, acting as if they're a regular user. Uh, something that uh, we'll get to in a second, which the funny thing is that I've seen overlooked is that the reason that probably happened, if their version of events of, as to why they instituted this change is legit and to be believed, the reason is likely partially, at the very least, due to Elon Musk's changes to the API, which would have been the official means for people to access Twitter data if you're running like a web platform or, a, you know, a, a software as a service or whatever. So by blocking those web scrapers, what ended up happening is Twitter got a number of its pages de-indexed from Google. I saw search engine land actually ran like the numbers and they noticed that Twitter had lost 60% of the pages they had indexed in Google. So what does that mean? If, if, you're not, if you don't know, that's fine. Uh, I'll explain it for you. So when you search on Google, the results are um, basically what you see thanks to these web crawlers who sift through the internet and rank these pages uh, you know, based on uh, how relevant they are to that keyword you're searching. A lot of it has to do with uh, the link authority, i.e. Uh, how many other authoritative website websites are linking back to your link. That has a lot to do with it. Also, the keywords you use in your posts. Um, there's a number of different factors, but those are like the main things. But if those web crawlers can't see your content because you're blocking them from view for those search engines, then they can't index them in the search results. And what that means is when someone searches on Google, maybe they used to see someone's Twitter profile page if they were searching for an individual. Or maybe there was a, a specific tweet that ranked really well for a specific set of keywords. Well... Twitter lost that on Google when they blocked web content from view unless you're logged in. And when you do that, Google unlists those links. So Twitter lost 60% of their uh, index links in Google, which means they've likely lost. On top of already blocking those at least 500 million people a month who are visiting, they've also lost the traffic from Google search. 60% of it at the least. So amazing, right? This is this is the decision from the great tech genius Elon Musk, you know? I am going to need to take a few breaks throughout because it's really hot in here to take a drink of my soda so I'm not parched. So that's the first thing Musk did on Friday. And then on Saturday, Saturday, oh my God. Uh, I actually didn't uh, uh, feel the pain as much as others, and I'll explain to you why. But on Saturday, people were logging into Twitter and trying to scroll and see tweets. And then all of a sudden, it would say like, oh, you've, reached, you've been rate limited. You've reached your limit, your rate limit. And, and that's, that's something that happens if you're a web scraper, for example, and you're just pouring through all the tweets in the feed, Twitter's going to likely notice you are, uh, you know, using the platform beyond the normal use, a fair use, and they would probably rate limit you, which is, is fair. 
a lot of these platforms have terms of service that say that there are, you know, there are carve outs for fair use. If, you know, one specific user or a group of specific users are adding undue strain to a platform, then they can say, hey, you gotta, you're not using the platform like everybody else. You're taking advantage and it's ruining the experience of everybody else. That's, that's nothing out of the ordinary. But for the vast majority of users to log in and experience that, that, however, is abnormal. That's, that's not the normal online experience for a platform. So people were noticing this. And then let me let me actually pull up Elon's um, Elon's specific tweet because it's 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 pretty it's it's amazing here. I mean, I I was actually in shock. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, the owner of a platform telling its users, it's logged in users, by the way. This isn't now. We're not talking about the um, the uh, oh, you're not logged in, so you're not a user. Even though I just explained to you why that's a ridiculous thought process to begin with, but. That could be, I guess, the thought process nonetheless. I'm sure another thing that Musk probably thought was, oh, if we um, lock out non-logged in users, that might force them to create an account and that will help pump up and drive up our, um, our daily, monthly active user count. And that's, you know, that's the stat that you sell to your advertisers, right? Oh, we have... Um, you know, 250 plus million daily active users or daily, uh, excuse me, monthly active users, um, whatever stat they want to go by. Um, that's like the industry norm, not the weird stat Elon Musk has started using about, uh, unregretted minutes on the platform. That's the stat that makes me think that partially the decision to lock out non-logged in users was to pump up those, uh, registered accounts because, that's not an industry used metric. No, no, no one's selling ads to brands and companies and corporations by saying, oh, we have uh, this many unregretted user minutes. That's not, a, that's, not a, that's not a fucking metric people use. It's just a bullshit number Twitter made up. So I do think that's part of it. But again, that's just my personal uh, speculation here. Um... Now, now back to the the rate limiting stuff. So, to to rate limit to limit the use of your platform for the vast majority of your registered users, though that is unheard of. So, people are noticing they're getting this 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 you know this error message. So they assume, oh, it's got a, Twitter's having server errors. There's something wrong with Twitter. It's a bug. Someone's gonna log in and fix it soon, right? Wrong. <laughs> So Elon Musk announced that to address extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, we've applied the following temporary limits. Verified accounts are limited to reading 6,000 posts a day. So if you're a Twitter Blue subscriber paying $8 per month, you could read 6,000 posts a day. And I put read in quotes, and I'll tell you why in a second. Elon Musk continues, unverified accounts to 600 posts a day and new unverified accounts to 300 posts a day. And um, the, the previous day he called in that, he called that logged out uh, limitation um, a, a temporary, what was it? Like a temporary extreme measure or something like that. It was, it was, where, where, where is what he called it? Um... I don't even know where it is anymore. 
or he's called it like a, 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 a temporary extreme measure or something like that. Anyway. So he was purposely limiting the use of users on his platform. And the reason I put read in quotation marks here is because, you know, you might say 6,000 posts, even 600 posts a day. You're, you're not reading 600 Twitter posts a day. Well, of course you're not. But that's also not what Twitter's going by. They don't know. Twitter can't know what posts you actually read. The limit is counting. All the posts that get served to you in the feed, and not just the timeline feed, but also when you click to open up a tweet in the tweet view page that you know has the view, which shows all the, the metrics and everything and the replies and all that, all those replies that load up count too. So what you get is you you pull, you know, you're on you're on the Twitter app. You pull down to refresh your feed. I forget how many tweets Twitter loads up every time you do that, but for, for the sake of argument, let's say, you know, it loads up 25 new tweets. Well, you might not look at any of those 25 new tweets. You might just see the first couple and decide, eh, not interested, and pull down again for another refresh. Those 25 tweets Twitter loaded up, that counts to your 600 posts. You open up a tweet view to, to hit, uh, you know, to see a few replies or whatever, or to click the quote tweets button to read the quote tweets. And those quote tweets, by the way, when it loads up, those count too. So all those replies, oh, just loaded 20 replies, there goes 20 more tweets. So people were getting rate limited just after loading up a few tweet pages, refreshing the, free, the feed a few times, and then locked out of Twitter. Uh, again, you know, you might say, oh, you're obsessed with Twitter. All right, fine. But I mean, the owner of the platform is basically taking away views from advertisers, telling them that, hey, you're only going to get, there's only a certain number of people that can see your shit every day, see your ads, see your videos. Why advertise on that platform if it's limiting how many people can see your stuff? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So throughout the um, throughout the day, he would uh, Musk would raise those limits a bit, right? He uh, I think I think he went from eight hundred from six hundred to eight hundred at one point. Um, you know who I mean, just just ridiculous stuff though to uh, do that. And so people were trying to find workarounds, and some people found a workaround through TweetDeck, um, the desktop Twitter app for power users. If you don't know what TweetDeck is, um, basically it gives you a Twitter experience about multiple feeds. Like you could open up this desktop app and instead of the one main home feed, you could open up side by side a number of different feeds. Like you could have a feed of people on, I don't know, a, a, a friends list that you made. It's just with people you know in real life. And then you could have made another list with journalists you follow and just have the feed of that uh, refreshes with tweets from the journalists you follow. So people found that TweetDeck wasn't being rate limited. It appears that, you know, Twitter and Elon Musk uh, didn't remember TweetDeck or perhaps, perhaps Elon didn't even know TweetDeck existed. Well, people who found that workaround only had about a day or two with it because then on Monday, Twitter announced that, hey, 
we released a brand new version of TweetDeck. Completely looks new, everything. Oh, and by the way, when you download it and upgrade and update it, uh, we forgot to tell you that we've added the rate limit there. <laughs> so he started rate limiting people, the people who are actually who actually wanted to get on Twitter so much that they found a workaround. He stopped them from accessing his platform too. And then he also added, Twitter also added another bonus for people who enjoyed using TweetDeck. Uh, in 30 days, TweetDeck is going to be only for Twitter Blue subscribers. So in 30 days, I guess it's less than 30 now, if you're not paying for Twitter Blue, uh, you won't be able to use TweetDeck anymore. So that's wonderful for <laughs> limiting another way for people to use the platform. It's really, really amazing, isn't it? It's it's uh, people in the people people in my uh, the live chat apparently did not know they're gonna do that. I'm sorry, guys. Yep, that's the uh, that's the, I hate to break the news for you. <laughs> it seems like TweetDeck is quite beloved. I guess. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to pay for Twitter Blue and have and have the check mark of shame um, if you. Uh, want to use TweetDeck. And oh, I should, I forgot to mention, the reason the rate limits didn't really affect me is because uh, I still have the checkmark uh, pro bono gifted to me by, <laughs> by Elon Musk himself. So I, 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 I don't, I don't I'm, I'm not, I'm not rate limited at the same level as all the peons and plebs, plebs, uh, whatever you want. I can't even, it's late. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. It's almost midnight. But, um, yeah, I mean, really, just the, the enshittification of Twitter really, I think, hit a new level this week. And all over a 4th of July weekend to over a holiday weekend, when usage of your social, your real-time social media platform would probably be at one of its peaks, Right. He decided to uh, do all this then. I, I think I, I really do think this hits Twitter in a way that all the other decisions... I mean, listen, we, we could certainly talk about how the other decisions are more harmful. You know, bringing back the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, the, the anti-vaxxers, the disinformation spreaders, um, you know, all those uh, terrible people. We could certainly argue that all of these things are worse you know, more harmful to, to, to people. But I, 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 I do step out of my bubble. And if you're not in the politics bubble or the tech bubble, and you look at mainstream Twitter groups, the you know, sports Twitter, black Twitter, um, you know, uh, uh, K-pop stand Twitter, most of those previous decisions from Musk just did not hit like mainstream or pop culture Twitter in the same way as it did news Twitter, media Twitter, politics Twitter, leftist Twitter, etc. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Um, this week was a bad week for Twitter, and I do wonder. So, so, so today, July fifth, 
I, I noticed, and a couple of the users noticed, that Twitter was already rolling back some of those limitations um, on not logged in users. I'm going to guess because they were getting hit SEO-wise, traffic-wise too, um, but not totally. So if you have a direct link to a tweet, that should work now. And embeds on other platforms like iMessage and stuff should work now too. But you still can access profiles. And if you click on someone's profile after you get to their tweet, you can see the bio, but you can't see their tweet feed. Um, you can't see replies to those tweets that do work either. Um, so it's still, and you can't visit any other page on Twitter. Look, I want to explain how insane it is, the decision. If you go to twitter.com, not logged in, it doesn't bring you to like a nice homepage convincing you to sign up or give you a feed of tweets convincing you to sign up. It literally sends you directly to a pop-up telling you to log in. That's it. No like call to action page saying like, oh, this is Twitter is a great place to such and such. No, just you go to twitter.com and it's like, fuck you, log in. <laughs> literally, like it's just ridiculous. Um, so, all right, let's get to the API thing. Um, so I've really been on this beat. Uh, I, I think more so than anybody else. And I think it's been highly, um, looked over. And I think it's incredible to me because this is happening in tandem with what Reddit did to their API charging for it too, just like Twitter did. In fact, Reddit CEO Huffman, um, Steve Huffman said he, looked to Elon Musk's running of Twitter for inspiration, which is mind-blowingly insane. I mean, you want to talk about a scam economy. Uh, you know, the tech industry, looking at someone destroying a, a company, losing half of the advertisers, and losing, uh, uh, cutting out two-thirds of the value it sold for to Musk. Uh, uh, and and the other companies look to him and say this is inspiring. That's that's the perfect encapsulation of the scam economy right there, right? I mean, ridiculous. So the Reddit API stuff got a lot of attention, and I'm I'm going to do an episode on that too. So let's not get into that too much here, but. Reddit started charging for what used to be a free API and basically a bunch of really popular Reddit apps had to shut down because they could not afford it. Uh, the most popular, I believe, was the client, the Reddit client Apollo for Reddit. And the developer who uh, was responsible for that app basically said it was going to cost him $20 million a year, $20 million to pay Reddit a year for access to the API for him to continue running the app and he just couldn't afford it. He had to shut it down. Um, so on the Twitter end though, the API issue, most users haven't really been focusing on it and I don't get why. Like on Reddit, they had the protests, the blackouts. People are still protesting. Subreddits are still on private or only posting like photos of John Oliver. We're doing all sorts of like actions to protest the the Reddit decision to to uh, charge for the API. Twitter users, for the most part, have barely even noticed this, and this is really bad to me. I mean, that's why I've been covering it so hard. 
third-party developers in a lot of ways are really important to platforms. I mean, I think a great example of of it is like how many of you still use Facebook? Like Facebook feels like such a walled garden. And not in a good way, like, you know, the Apple App Store uh is is to me an example of a successful walled garden whereas whereas they do accept third-party developers, but they have to just go through Apple's, you know, um uh, you know, submission process so that Apple makes sure that you know malicious apps make their way into people's iPhones, and I think that's why iPhone is so popular. But Facebook has like this walled garden where basically like they don't offer very much through their API. That's why you don't see very much like third-party Facebook apps. They do exist. There's of course apps that post to Facebook things like that. But in terms of like all these like fun apps that you see, like on on Reddit and on Twitter, there were all these apps like clients that gave you a whole different experience where you could just see the full Twitter feed or full Reddit feed in a completely different user interface or in a completely different way. They each have all these different like analytics apps, or they did for the most part, these analytics apps where you could see all sorts of different measures. You can um, search through different uh, uh like there was advanced search apps where you could find tweets or reddit posts and even reddit comments because third-party developers were doing all different stuff with these apps then of course you had the bots the good bots especially on twitter a lot of like things that like you know uh, uh the pepito that that one is an example one that's still running pepito the cat that there's a security cam that posts a photo every time pepito leaves the house and comes into the house um and then there's <coughs> Um, one that did have to shut down that was really popular on Twitter. <coughs> Excuse me. Make it a quote where someone would say uh, tweet something, you would reply at make it a quote, and the make it a quote bot would give you one of those like inspirational quote images with that Twitter user's uh, avatar and then their tweet in like one like stylized in that image. Uh, it would be pretty funny sometimes. Well, that's an example of a bot that's that's dead now because of Twitter's API changes. Anyway, that's why I think it's it's in, these APIs are important. They give people a way to use these platforms uh, in better ways sometimes, in different ways, which sometimes can be better, um, and provides all sorts of additional use cases and utility that the main platforms don't always give. And I also think, and I think this is also overlooked part of this too these third-party developers um you know off, oftentimes they're like self-taught coders they're no code people sometimes who've taught themselves no code systems um students um you know people who who they don't have a tech background or they don't, you know, maybe don't know someone in tech. They don't have funding because to, to start a platform from scratch, it costs money to, to build from scratch, to develop a platform that has to bring in users. But when these, these already big platforms allow these third-party developers access to their API, these developers a lot of times can build something cool but on top of these existing platforms, basically taking advantage of this built-in user base. Like if you build a brand new Twitter competitor, you try to convince people to go there, you have no money, no backing, you're gonna, it's going to be hard. But say you just created this 
cool app that adds some new feature to Twitter that Twitter itself doesn't have built in. There's a whole bunch of already existing Twitter users that might want to use your app. It's a lot easier to find a user base. Um, and so I think one thing that's been overlooked is that um, that that equal playing field that this API access gave a lot of developers. Um, you know, kids with no background or, or 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 money behind them to to make something cool and get noticed or even make a couple thousand bucks a month and build a business with that app itself. That that's gonna die out and you're gonna find the tech industry to be a much more insular place. Um, I mean, it already is, but it's going to be even more so, in my opinion. And I think that's been looked over, honestly. Um, and I've tried to point that out where I could. Um, but anyway, so Twitter is charging a lot of money for the API. And I've spoken to developers who pay $100 a month for it, uh, which is like a really limited version of it. Like you could barely... like. Maybe if you just launch an app and have zero users or maybe just onboard a few users, you could maybe use the $100 version. And then there's a $5,000 version, which is for slightly larger apps, but still not that many, actually. $5,000 per month, and it's still limited. And then there's the enterprise API tier, which the vast majority of actual apps with user base, with uh, 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 meaningful user bases have to basically put out money for and that tier starts starts i want to stress starts at forty two thousand dollars per month forty two thousand dollars per month like yeah this is this used to be free and i know people are saying oh it's really easy just don't 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 pay twitter like and I get it. Like you could say that to someone who's like, "Oh, I want the, the check mark. I'm gonna pay eight dollars." Like you don't need that check mark. But unfortunately, if you're running a platform that was based on the Twitter API, like you know, you're you're running a social media posting app that lets users log into your platform and they can post to like you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all all the different places all at once. And you. Already, you've been running this business for years, and you have maybe I don't know uh, five thousand, ten thousand users paying who knows how much a month. That's your living. You, you it might even be big enough for a company with employees. You're kind of stuck if you can. If if you're still making more money than the forty-two thousand dollars per month, you're sort of stuck paying that $42,000 per month. Um, so they pay. And also I want to point out that this also, you know, bringing up how the API tiers is going to make it harder. Like if you're starting, you're not going to be able to spring for the $42,000 per month. You're going to be able to spring for the $5,000 per month plan. So you're not going to be able to like new apps based on the Twitter API are just like, you're not going to see them. It's basically going to be the same companies that built up their business enough to the point where when Elon Musk sprung this $42,000 per month thing on them, they were luckily, luckily for them already big enough where they could afford to pay for it. So I uh, hope you didn't like seeing new Twitter stuff pop up because you're not going to see much of it. Um, so I've been speaking to a lot of these developers 
paying all the tiers, including the $42,000 per month tier. And I, I, I published a piece last week on it. And basically, the API breaks all the time for them too. That's right. The thing these developers are paying $42,000 per month for, it's breaking for them. Their app will just suddenly get completely disconnected from the Twitter API and there'll be hours where their users can't use their app. Sometimes there's days before they even hear from Twitter support. Um, and then on top of that, I spoke to some developers who were paying for the lower tiers, the $100 per month and the $5,000 per month tiers, and found that every couple of weeks, Twitter removes features from their version of the plan and makes it only accessible for the $42,000 per month plan. So here's an example. I spoke to the developer of what's one of the oldest Twitter apps, at least, again, that I could find. Who unfollowed me? This app that basically tracks your Twitter followers and following list. It's been around for like 14 years. So the guy pays for Twitter, the Twitter API. And he pays for it because they allow him through the pl plan he was paying for to access a user's, like the users who sign up for his app, he can access their follower and following list so that the app works. Well, last week, all of a sudden, they decided without any heads up to these people who already were paying Twitter that, you know what? You can't access the follower and following list anymore. That's only for the enterprise people, the people paying $42,000 per month. So all those apps that needed that access, they already paid Twitter this month, and now their app is dead too. It's, it's ridiculous. Again, talk about the scam economy. I mean, and I saw people say that they requested a refund from Twitter, and Twitter said no. It's, it's insane. It's insane. Um... So why is it, you know, it's relevant for, and I wanted to do, again, I'm going to do a broader episode on API stuff, but I'm bringing this up because let's now circle back around to the rate limiting and the blocking logged out users because of web scrapers. Previously, when there was still a free, robust version of the Twitter API, apps would sign up for Twitter's API and officially get approved by Twitter, and then through the official means set up by Twitter, access this data, tweets, followers, following, profiles, you name it. They would access all this stuff through the Twitter API, the proper channels. And by doing this, Twitter could monitor how the apps, specific apps were using Twitter. And if someone was taking advantage, then they could charge them. And Twitter did have enterprise plans previously. It just had a very generous free tier. That like you had to be a really big app using Twitter an insane amount. I think it was over like two million tweets per month. Um and then Twitter would be like, all right, you're using it a lot. There's a plan for your usage. But when you take away this access from this large swath of people. Some people might be like, all right, I'm just not going to use it anymore. But if this is your business or you need that data, 
you're going to find other means. And the other means is through web scraping. And that's what I think is partially, at least, behind this. Twitter has created a monster of its own. If you have a swath of hardcore users who were previously accessing data through the API, all of a sudden having to do it through unofficial means by web scraping, that's going to cause that, 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 that burden. Uh, I also saw that there was like some Twitter error where just like regular usage was causing the tw like the page that you would go to to like refresh and reload like a thousand times <laughs> or something like that. It, it was just, you know, Twitter is going through so much shit right now. And that's why we have the threads launched tonight, July 5th. Now I'm talking to you guys. It's now July 6th. Twitter screwed the pooch here. They uh, Musk, Musk messed up big time. And all these platforms smell blood in the water. Blue Sky is growing. I think it has like 200,000 users now. And this is an invite-only app with no pre-existing user base. Uh, threads launched connected to Instagram. And I saw Zuckerberg post... In like five hours, they already have five million users. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly. Like, like, uh, all right. So a lot of people have put this. You've, you've heard it probably since the day Musk bought Twitter. I, I give this app two weeks, two days, two, two minutes. Twitter's dead. Twitter's dead. It has, you know, putting a time frame on it. I've said this before. It's it's not going to go down that way. I, n I never gave any sort of prediction or pro proclamation that Twitter has any set time or that there's going to be just one thing that kills Twitter. It's not how it's going to work. Twitter's going to continue to go on for, the, for, for at least the foreseeable future. But what you're going to get is you're going to get a death by a thousand cuts. That's what's going to be what does Twitter in. You have to under you just have to like this isn't going to be shocking either. Like just look back at how other platforms have petered out. I think MySpace is a great example. The last big sort of social media platform that like was once the cream of the crap and then completely lost it isn't even isn't even talk like it doesn't even have a niche anymore. Like even Tumblr still has their niche user base. MySpace is nothing. It went from the top, the king, to nothing. And if you look what happened, much like Musk buying Twitter, MySpace had a huge company come in and buy them too. News Corp, the owners of Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, he acquired Twitter when it was at its peak. And for like a year or so, it was all right, nothing really crazy, but they just didn't get social media in the same way Musk didn't get social media. And little by little, they screwed with things that worked. Little by little, they didn't launch anything new to keep people around. Little by little, they devalued what the platform was worth. They tried to over-monetize it in the same way you're seeing Musk do. And competitors were coming out they were just in the right place at the right time facebook for example 
And MySpace just petered out. And Facebook, like, it's important to, like, sort of, like, realize that Facebook didn't, like, replace MySpace. Like, sure, individuals who are on MySpace, they probably moved over to Facebook. But MySpace also had a really strong, like, social network for bands and musicians. And when MySpace died, it never, there was never, like, a platform that, that took that empty hole that was left for those bands and musicians and the fans of those bands and musicians. So like the idea that something's just going to come in and just outright replace Twitter, it's not going to happen. It's going to be something similar here. And I think all these different competitors are sort of proof of that scenario playing out, right? So Twitter continues to to, to fuck with stuff. Um, that death by a thousand cuts, they're going to lose people. Certain niche groups are going to go to blue, blue Sky. You know, you see a lot of leftists go there. You see a lot of techies go there. Um, you saw niche groups go to Mastodon. You see a lot of academics go there. And all, like a lot of programmers and developers go there. Spill just launched. Another Twitter competitor created by two former black Twitter employees. And I got an invite code on there and I went in there. It was a whole different world from from Blue Sky and Mastodon. It was already like populated by pretty much all of Black Twitter and Black Twitter's follow like all of Black Twitter's user base was there and there are people who had like 10,000 followers there already to this like invite only app that I was barely even familiar with. So that niche has already got a place with Spill. Black Twitter's a huge part of Twitter. If they lose that to to, to spill, like, in totality, then Twitter's screwed on that front as well. And then you have Meta launching this Threads by Instagram today. I mean, shit, I don't, I don't know what else you can, uh, how else you could hurt Twitter, but Instagrammers, influencers, lifestyle people, fish, uh, fitness people, fashion people, um... They all prefer, as far as I've seen, Instagram to Twitter. So if you got a platform that gives them Twitter functionality, but brings their user base from Instagram, which is usually much bigger than their Twitter user base, then then man, I I, I don't know why they would continue using Twitter. Honestly, I mean, maybe they would continue using it because it is one of their many platforms. But I would assume they would they would prefer the one connected to Instagram where they have more followers. I mean, all we need is like a a uh, Twitter specifically Twitter competitor specifically for sports Twitter, a Twitter competitor for like streamers and YouTubers and those and creators, which I consider creators to be different than influencers, because Instagram influencers and those types don't always create. Uh, at least good content that's not just like brand sponsored bullshit um, but I mean uh, yeah I, I think Twitter might be screwed again will it just die out no I think you'll see that death by a thousand cuts that we saw with MySpace where years down the line there's so many users that have been shed that there's nothing left, really. 
And that sucks, because I like Twitter. I liked Twitter. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's also possible that Twitter doesn't die out, but it's just not... I mean, maybe Twitter becomes a niche platform, too. I mean, that could happen. That's a, that's a very likely scenario, too. Uh, because it's 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 maybe those niches that don't find a place on Blue Sky Threads, Mastodon, etc. Maybe they just become what Twitter's niche is. And Twitter isn't the mainstream real-time platform anymore for everything. It just caters to that few online industries or areas or niches. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I mean, uh, what a perfect encapsulation of the tech uh, industry and how it is just a total scam economy. Uh, I, 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 you know, threads, I don't know how I feel about threads yet for people asking. I'm, uh, I, I've never was a big fan of Instagram's user interface. It feels so rigid. It feels so like, I don't know how to explain it. It feels so blocky and I don't know, like, uh, not as free flowing, I guess, as, as Twitter and Blue Sky. Like, I like how Blue Sky looks. I like Twitter still in terms of like, it's user interface and how things work on there. Uh, not like the features Musk has screwed with, but like just like the stuff that worked before Twitter was bought by him. Um, Threads doesn't let you just view a feed with your follow who you follow. There's only an algorithm feed. It's very weird. Even Blue Sky lets you view just who you're following. Even Twitter still lets you do that. And Musk wanted to focus on the For You algorithm feed. And of course, there's the issue of threads being owned by Meta. And, you know, Zuckerberg is not great shakes compared to Elon Musk either. I mean, I think he's uh, on, a, on a personal level in terms of who the individual is. Uh, probably a notch above Musk, but in terms of how he runs his company, probably the same. And and how I explain this, people have always asked me why you think Zuckerberg. No, Zuckerberg is terrible on a billionaire running a corporation and doing what he needs to do to make as much money with his platform as possible. Level businesses are going to business; they suck. They're always looking to make money, and that's number one. So that's shit. But I think what Musk is on is is worse on multitude of levels, in that Musk isn't simply driven by profit. He's also ideological. You just look at how he's running Twitter. He believes certain things and runs his platform that way. And there's no real pushing someone like you can deal with the the business guy by making it so doing something is best for business and they will do so i mean you see this all this all the time with boycotts corporate boycotts and stuff 
With Musk, you can't do that because he comes from it ideologically. He's not looking strictly for profit. He's also running things based on his beliefs, his ideological beliefs. I mean, there's no other way. Even if you just put aside what he says and does, I mean, there's no other way to explain paying $44 billion for Twitter. I mean, it's never, it was never worth that, and it's never going to be worth that. Solomon in the live chat points out the Daily Wire and stuff like that does super good on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Because it's good for business. They don't want to piss off that user base. But they're also limited in what they can say and do because Twitter's policies are much more strict. If you're a disinformation spreader or an anti-vaxxer, for example. Uh, that's not the case with Twitter. I mean, Facebook, right, right, right. All right, folks, that is the show for today. I hope you enjoyed this doomed and scam economy crossover episode. Um, it's late. Uh, I'll take a few calls. I'll do calls for about a half an hour. How about that? I'll do calls till 1 a.m. But first, patreon.com slash madbinder to support this show. This was the worst month yet for Patreon. Um, we have lost a lot of Patreon subscribers due to financial issues. Because when people leave, they can... Take the serve. They take a survey to say why they left. And trust me, people have said things like, "I don't listen to your content anymore," or "I don't like your content anymore," or "I don't think the content you're giving is worth my money," or whatever. That happens every now and then, maybe like once or twice every few months. But we lost like a couple dozen people this month, and all but one, I think, specifically said. Financial issues, loss of job, uh, their job, uh, things like that. So if you can, patreon.com slash Matt Binder to become a Patreon subscriber. Um, your support helps this sh show grow. Let me let me shout out some of my more recent patrons because I want to I want to thank them, obviously, because, again, if, 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 if I lose the patrons, then, man, I don't know what I would do. It would take a, a huge step back on growing this show. Um, thank you to Nesta, Connor, Cat Dad, and Rosalind H. Thank you all so much for becoming patrons at patreon.com slash mattbinder. Uh, of course, youtube.com slash mapbender. You can drop a super chat there. I'll read your super chats when we go into the call-in portion in just a minute. I will also... Um, oh, I'm going to um, um, also launch the membership option on YouTube too. Some people have requested that. They, they prefer to... Sign up on YouTube. I, I wanted to just have one place everyone signs up, but if people aren't signing up because they prefer other platforms, I'm not going to stop them. 
So probably tomorrow, I'm going to launch the YouTube memberships option. Um, I am also doing that now because YouTube for this month is offering me an incentive where they're giving me a couple hundred bucks up front to launch YouTube memberships on my channel and then a couple hundred extra bucks as well if I get at least 30 membership subscriptions on YouTube too uh, by the end of this month. So, so it makes sense to do it. Especially with people requesting and this combined. Um... Also, twitch.tv slash MattBinder. Follow me there. And if you're a Amazon Prime subscriber, you get a free Twitch Prime. Yeah, you get a free Twitch Prime membership each month to give out to your favorite creator. You're already paying for Amazon Prime, and you're getting this for free. And when you use it on Twitch, it gives money to the creator you choose. Like it costs you nothing extra. It's making sure. Jeff Bezos doesn't keep m more of your money. It just makes no sense to not use it. So definitely connect your Amazon Prime account with your Twitch account. And if you want to give it to me, you to some creator for sure. But if you want to give it to me, twitch.tv slash Binder. Find me on Twitter, on Blue Sky, on Mastodon, and of course, on Threads now, at Binder. Um, follow me. Where else? So, doomedcast.com for the podcast version of Doomed, scameconomy.com for the podcast version of Scam Economy. Calls will be the call line will be open. Search Doomed Live on Skype. Give me a minute to open those lines. If you're watching live on YouTube or Twitch, don't go anywhere. You, we're not cutting you off. If you're a Patreon subscriber, don't go anywhere. We're not cutting you off. If you are only listening to the free podcast version of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at those two websites, scameconomy.com and doomcast.com, this is where the show ends for you. And to those people, I will see you all next time on Doomed and on the Scam Economy.